Love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places? Well, working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network like T-Mobile. We have America's largest 5G network, so whether you're on a video call at the park or uploading large files at a coffee shop, we have the 5G speed you need. Whatever takes you on the go, T-Mobile's got you covered. Find out more at T-Mobile.com slash network today. Coverage not available in some areas. See 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And now, it's time for Inside Conan, an important Hollywood podcast. Hello and welcome to the 100th episode of Inside Conan, an important Hollywood podcast. That's crazy, 100 episodes. It flew by. And our names are the same. I'm Mike Sweeney, and you're Jesse Gaskell. That's right. This is Inside Conan. We, you know, we've been talking about the overview of uh, Conan's career on Late Night. No wonder it's gone 100 episodes. <laughs> we've, we've barely scratched the surface. <laughs> yeah, it's just the first 100 after this, we're going to switch to a rewatch podcast format. Mm -hmm. I figured out Conan's done 4,000 wow. episodes of late night TV. If we rewatch all of those and you do 36 episodes a season, yeah. that's 111 years of employment <laughs> for us. That's 111 years of less than part-time employment. <laughs> exactly. And we have other big news right. this week, and it almost feels like we must have planned it this way because right. it's our big 100th episode and yeah. it seemed like <laughs> a celebratory time. But uh, we won a WGA award on Sunday. A Writers Guild of America. Not the whole world. Right. Just America. North America. Well, no, excluding Canada, I think. So, um, yeah, no, not even America. Not even, yeah. We won. We won. That was great. It was a huge surprise. It was a huge surprise because I went back and looked. We've been nominated for 19 Writers Guild Awards uh -huh. over the years. This is our seventh victory. Oh, well, that's but, a pretty good ratio. Yes, but we haven't won since 2006. And since then, we've been nominated 10 times and always lost. Yeah. So I think everyone's expectations were mine were tampered down so i i was truly shocked and delighted when we won yeah well i was too i didn't even get to watch the awards which were virtual which was also kind of right not quite as fun but you guys all got together in los angeles i wasn't there right at matt o'brien uh, the head writer's yeah. house which was fun he had a big screen and we watched his virtual show well, I mean, and by watched it, we just watched the part where our <laughs> so you category guys were just came up talking and then somebody just said, gabbing. oh, pay attention. Yeah. Well, you know, with a virtual show, the weird thing was they made everybody who was nominated record an acceptance speech. That's right. Which is to me is like such bad karma. And it's, you know, it's like a terrible prank because yeah. chances are you're losing. And then. And maybe you've put a lot of effort into. Yes. 
choreographing some kind of <laughs> video. And yeah. Giving a heartfelt thanking people. And that video's out there somewhere. It's gonna come back to haunt you. <laughs> we just did a I like what we did. We just did a a jib jab video. Yeah, we did one of those videos where you can you just put your photo and it's like a pre-made animation and they doing the Charleston. Yeah. <laughs> They look really crappy. We were like, what's the crappiest thing we can do? Yeah. And you know what? The nice thing is, normally I would feel like, oh, talking about the Wayne Writers Guild Award is like bragging. But we have to talk about it because of Inside Conan. We have to cover the news and the Conan. That's right. And that is news. And we were excited to finally have some news. (laughs) Well, we have a great show today. We really do. We have three guests. Oh, my God. Are we allowed to say that? First up, it's our friend Robert Smigel fan and podcast favorite yeah his third time on the podcast he's a third timer the third timer club and we decided it'd be fun to have him answer some listener questions so we let you guys do the hard part do all the work and then we had fun talking to robert smigel as always and then we have our second <laughs> former president tarya hallinan of Finland. Yes. We spoke to her about when Conan went to Finland and right. they met in the presidential palace. Yep. And then last but certainly not least, hmm. we have Jordan Schlansky, associate producer, <laughs> extraordinaire. And he's here to help us answer a fan question. Yes, that we thought was kind of geared toward him. So it was a, a perfect, perfect match. Perfect synergy. And now here's Robert Smigel. Hey, Robert, did we tell you the special occasion that we've invited you here for? I heard rumor that uh, it was for the 100th episode. Yeah. 100th episode. It's our 100th episode, and you are the one that we wanted to help us celebrate it. Yes. I heard it's not just me. I heard there's a few other guests. I'm not the only special. They only told you that to not pump up your ego too much. (laughs) That's okay. No, yeah. no. Too much pressure. Too much pressure otherwise. You're the three-timer club, which is the first. Yeah, you're the three-timer club. Oh, well. The first and only. The three-timer, the three-timers club. Yeah, there's no sketch to go yeah. with. Conan's not going to make a cameo? No. no. Wow, yeah. That's, that's you guys, that's a slap in the face that he yeah. won't do in your three-timers <laughs> club sketch. Uh, yeah, we, we get to sell the podcast to uh, syndication now, so we're really going right. to <laughs> rake in the big bucks. Now you can step away. Oh, man. Oh, man. Yeah, yeah. This is the goal of every podcast. Move over, Seinfeld and Larry David. You're going to be on TBS at 11 o'clock, <laughs> yeah, yeah, ironically yeah. enough. Yeah. <laughs> we actually asked fans to help us out with this episode because we get so many fan questions about you and, and things you've done for Late Night and at SNL. So we fielded fan questions for this interview. And so before you do that, I have to, I have a guest who he says that uh, that I'm going to be really boring and that he's oh. he'd like to save your podcast. <laughs> Is that all right. right? Yeah. I mean, we're OK. Here he comes. <laughs> what? Uh, oh, my God. I can't believe it. I can't believe how could I miss this? The 100th oh episode of Inside Conan O'Donnell. How could I miss a hundred? Congratulations, a hundred episodes. Uh, it just goes to show the old saying is true. Yeah. Podcasts don't get canceled. 
<laughs> that's that's the beauty of podcasts. They just keep going. Nobody has to listen. No one's in charge of saying, you know what, enough. It's a cute idea. Oh, this no. is too close to home, Triumph. I kid, I kid, I kid, I kid. Listen, no, no, you've got plenty of listeners. People listen some to every episode. And you know what? You know what? It's a tribute to Conan's fans and how upsettingly narrow-minded they are. You know, because these people, they could be listening to podcasts about current events or murders or... Well, that's pretty much it. But, right. but no, no, no thank you, says the Conan fan. I want to listen to an hour of editor Mark Jankalov talking about the time he shaved four frames off the top of Conan asking Mr. T, do you like apples? And how it made all the difference because that section was dragging. That's what I want to listen to. No, no, I kid again. I I kid for a second time. I kid. You know what? Because it's not about the Conan fans. I was not kidding about the Conan fans. They are freaks. I was kidding about the show. It is a success. And it's a tri- you know who it's a tribute to? It's a tribute to you two guys. Oh, boy. That's right. The host. Oh. Mike Sweeney, Sweeney. No, you're terrific. I, I have to ask you. I have to ask you. Uh-huh. You used to be a stand-up. Am I right? Didn't you? Did you used to be a stand-up? Let's say yes for the purposes of this interview. I knew it. I knew you used to be a stand-up. You know how I could tell? How? Because you're hosting a podcast now. (laughs) (laughs) That's what people who used to be stand-ups end up doing. You know, they're like, well, that didn't work out. Maybe podcasting (laughs) is easier. It's not all me. I can be kind of funny. I don't have to bring people to the show. No, and and you know what, Mike? It's so beautiful. There's no booing in podcasts. (laughs) There's no heckling. It's perfect. Awkward silences, yes, but no booing, no heckling. (laughs) You can cut those down. Jesse is smart. Jesse is smart. Why is that? Because you skipped right past the unpleasant step of failing at stand-up. And you went straight into podcasting. Hey, man, I did... Good for you, Jesse. I did three evening at the improv, so... Really? Yeah, three. Could you send me a sample of Bud Friedman's jizz? <laughs> I heard the first time you didn't wash your face for a week. <laughs> because it... But, but Freeman's jizz on his face, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> All right. You know what? I did not see that one coming. The hand up my ass thinks I should stop right now. Uh, this whole time, all I'm worried about is how many pages of jokes you have about us. I know. No, this was all the hand up my ass. Sorry. Oh. Your show's not that important. Yeah, I was say. <laughs> you know, he saves his C material for podcasts. <laughs> all right. This has been a great episode of uh-huh. Inside Conan. Oh, Donna. Thank you. For me to poop on. Oh, my God. <laughs> Damn it. Boy, did he get you guys. Oh, oh my wow. God. He got And us. he's got already. You didn't see that coming, that for me to poop on. you. He really sucked at you. You really thought <laughs> he nailed me. that he thought it was a great episode of Inside Conan. <laughs> no, but I, I do accept this as a compliment. This is a huge honor. That was an honor. And you know what? I was like... 
the important thing to do is to shut up and <laughs> not step on the dog. Yes. Actually, laughing is the way to look best. Yes. Whether you think it's funny or I've not. I've learned. Not just because it helps triumph, but uh, it helps. It makes the person look like a good sport. Yes. Exactly. And, and also takes the pressure off them to have to. Right. It's the opposite of what Ted Cruz right. did. <laughs> right. Whatever Ted Cruz does with triumph, do the opposite. It's a good rule for anything. Yeah, pretty much. If I didn't laugh, people would come after you for elder abuse. So <laughs> this way. I'll bring him back, Sweeney. No! I'll bring him back. I'll, I'm not get afraid of that Rich, dog. I'll, I'll get Brian Rich in here to write more jokes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, yeah. wow. That was, that was great. Thank you so fun. much. Thank you. Oh, my. <laughs> My pleasure. I really don't feel we deserve that. Now we're going to run through every impression. <laughs> <laughs> every clutch cargo. Right, right, right. Well, should we dive into our fan questions? They're all going to be about my penis size. Yeah. <laughs> okay, bring it on. Some are about the width and the some girth, are about the length. Yes. So there's a lot of, <laughs> the girth, a lot of okay. variety. All right. Then. Well, I was going to move us into uh, Late Night with Conan O'Brien. Yes. How about that? Yes. There are questions. My favorite job of all time. Oh, is that true? Yes, I've said that to you guys. Yeah, it's it's absolutely. Oh. It's the most thrilling thrilling well, I thing I could have ever done was I mean, David Letterman was our hero. Mm. To do it at all was great, but then to do it with like your best friend at SNL, pretty much. It was Conan and like Sandler and Carvey. Those were my three best friends at that show. Yeah. So to like do it together with him and it, it just was I'd never wanted to do anything more than that. And, uh, you know, it was incredibly hard, but, you know, the, the, the staff, everybody who worked on it that year and all the writers, you know, it was like being war buddies. It was mm. yeah. dangerous and thrilling. There was propaganda <laughs> for both sides. No, and we were just like, at SNL, like I got to write a lot of stuff that I loved and was excited about and mm. proud of, but... But it always felt like I was writing for someone else's show. And I was trying to, I wasn't trying to get too crazy with it. Most of the time I was trying to serve the show, mm -hmm. write the silliest, funniest versions of things that I thought the audience would want to see, though. As opposed to the Conan show where we finally had this playground where we could try anything. So yeah. when stuff worked, it was just the most exciting experience i'd ever had in, in show business oh that makes yeah because it's a brand new show as opposed to slotting it into an existing yeah structure absolutely and uh and and brand new but we're in charge i mean basically we're not answering to anybody i mean lauren was the executive producer but pretty quickly he saw that we were going to be <laughs> impossible to work with <laughs> and that we just were we were going to do pretty much the show we wanted to do you know do you have examples of that would you say you'd be impossible to work with with me particularly or, or just in general just, yeah well no there were things lauren wanted us to do over right. the course of that summer like he wanted conan to do stand-up and this is before the show even came on yeah okay and i was like no no don't do that right because what I, I always have this like you know deathly pessimistic like even though it's as much as I had faith in Conan and was excited and thought the show right. itself was going to be great. Right. But I was like, what if you go out there and it doesn't go well one night and then they write about it. Mm. And then there's like a, mm. you know, and then that, it, I mean, this is before the internet, right. but 
still, it was like shit could multiply. And Conan felt the same way. He was like, I, I don't really want to. Why risk? Yeah. Why present myself beforehand? Right. And and in fairness, Lauren might have been right. <laughs> because all Lauren really wanted was for Conan to get used to. To be comfortable. Right. Talking in front of an audience. You yeah. Know? But it's more than that, too. It's yeah. also getting used to being on with a tally light, with a camera light on, too, which I think is a whole different experience. It is different, but it's closer than sitting around in an office all summer <laughs> right. with, with a yes. bunch of writers. You know, it was like, go on stage, yeah. right. talk to the strangers right. and get some laughs and learn mm. how to be comfortable in front of them. That's all Lauren wanted. Right. Yeah. He was like, maybe train a little before you run a marathon. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and I was just like, no, it's too scary. Yeah. <laughs> it just felt like there were too many variables. Mm. You know, that's like the control freak in both of us, I think, mm -hmm. thinking that. But, you know, it might have been, it, it might have helped him. It really might have in retrospect. But, you know, I did a lot of things that I'm proud of at the show and then other things that were like a hindrance on some level. Like I've talked about this, how I, I was like, you're not going to do remotes. <laughs> oh, you told Conan not to do remotes. <laughs> Let's not do any remotes that are like spontaneous. Men on the street. Man on the street mm -hmm. shit because Letterman was doing it. Because that was Letterman. Yeah. Letterman's domain. Right. He was doing it. I'd seen Pat Sajak and Dennis Miller try to do right. it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Dennis is a funny guy. And I was like, you just can't win right now doing something that this guy is doing so well. So mm -hmm. we did some scripted remotes. Right. Like whatever that meant. But we would not do the thing that Conan is best known for now. Well, yeah. It's just, just being incredibly quick-witted. Improvising. Improvising, you know, in any given situation. Right. But that was... Well, but maybe he had to work up to that. No, no. I mean, that was a natural evolution. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it was just all about, like, you know, Lauren has this slogan that he used to say, which is kind of, you know, that was kind of an example of, of which is like, uh, when you don't know what to do, you define yourself by what you're not going to do, if that makes sense. Uh -huh. You define yourself by what you're not going to do. Okay. It's like, I don't know exactly what comedy I'm going to do, but I know what I'm not going to do. Mm -hmm. Right. And we actually did that. Like, I, I set a lot of rules at that time. It's like, yeah. we're not going to do found humor. But we had an inkling of what we were going to do. And like, right. that's, you know, that's why Triumph exists, because... Letterman was doing the Westminster dogs and he would bring out real dogs right. and they would run down the aisles and that's like found humor. And, and that's where, you know, my wife had gotten me these dog puppets and I was like, this will be great. Let's use puppets and make them, you know, sing the theme from the bodyguard and play dueling banjos, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and then eventually the insult comic, like right. four years later. No, the, yeah, there were a lot of early parodies of late night Mm -hmm. kind of tropes. Oh, that too. Yeah. yeah, we did, well, like the first bit we ever did was Louie's bit. Like actual items. Was a parody of, uh, was it Jay Leno's headlines, right, basically. Right, 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 right. Right. Which was an homage to small town news, and mm -hmm. I'm not going to get into my Jay Leno impression this time. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> People can go back to previous episodes. Yeah, no, exactly. Mm -hmm. The big purpose of this hundredth one is to shed light on past episodes. Yes. Exactly. You know, so let's get <laughs> let's keep those references right. coming. Do the Mark Jankalov. The producers in my headphones <laughs> saying, Can you refer to Alec Berg episode eighty <laughs> seven? That was the one you listened to. It was. It was like the week before it was the <laughs> week know. before I was coming on. Right. <laughs>
<laughs> Do you remember the very first big laugh from late night and or applause break that came from something you wrote? Yeah, I do. Yeah. Well, I remember the most thrilling. I mean, I, I you know, that first show was very successful. And if you watch right. it, yeah. partly because Conan, even though he's nervous, he's so excited and happy to be there that it's just infectious and he's so lovable. And so is Andy when you when you look at mm-hmm. it. And then we had a lot of bits that we had worked very hard on and they all worked. Conan hanging himself right before the right. show. Yeah. And we had all these silly things like Conan saying, we'll be right back after this sound effects technician. And then it was just this guy, Bob Flanagan, <laughs> dancing to a Phil Collins song. And then Conan's like, and we're back. And it got like laughter and applause. <laughs> and that was really thrilling. And uh, and then the Bob Costas interviewing, That's like, great. you know, he would have all these obscure arcane guests. So we had this bit, what's going to happen on Bob, Co- you know, this plug for the next show on TV. Mm-hmm. And it was all it was Bob Costas's later show at the time. And he's interviewing the tree from The Wizard of Oz. Right, and, uh, which is great. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but then the next night we did the first Clutch Cargo. Ah. And that was probably the most in the moment, exciting. Because uh-huh. we had done them in test shows and they were very successful and we wanted to do them on the first show and Lauren didn't want it because Conan, he didn't think Conan was driving it enough. So we went with actual items. And then on the second show, we did it and he interviewed Clinton. And I remember in rehearsal, I had the idea to drink from his coffee mug. Or, from Conan's you know, co- on the dad. From Conan's mug. Like, like yeah. Clinton, Clinton's just, let me have a drink of that, you know, and I start <laughs> sipping it. Right. And it's funny enough. And then Conan says, lap it up like a kitten. So then I'm like, <laughs> like with my tongue just going as low as it can to, to reach the thing. Uh-huh. And that was just, we thought that was, oh, that's pretty funny. Let's, and so then, but then when we did it live on the show, I mean, the bit was already going really well. But then when I lapped up the, <laughs> the water from his mug like a kitten, it got such a fucking hilarious, such a huge uh-huh. reaction giant laughter and applause and that was like the first time it's really like most thrilling moment of my career oh that's great because it's like this is this thing that the two of us so organic yeah it was very organic and it's just it was me and conan doing it together right there and so Mm -hmm. that felt very personal and Uh exciting and i just remember every second of that yeah oh that's (laughs) experience Because sometimes when you're in a great moment, it's like it passes by too quickly and then you don't even get to enjoy it. But I'm glad you were also present enough to be absorbing the audience response. I always had that. I always had that because there's a part of me that still can't believe that I get to do this. Mm -hmm. And like I had that at SNL, like this thing where a lot of writers would traditionally you're supposed to watch your sketch with Lauren address and then you go up to the writer's room and watch it on a monitor. Mike, you've probably been in that room. Yeah. The ninth floor writer's room yeah. at 1130 and they're all huddled around. Yes. And they're kind of paying attention, but they're all talking. And I could never do that. When it was yeah. my sketch, I had to be on the floor yeah. watching it because it was like, that's the only time I'm ever going to get to see it that way. Mm-hmm. And you produced it. You were kind of hands-on up to that moment. So. Yeah, but that's everybody. Right, right. Everybody who wrote their sketches produced. But I just felt like this is like it's a miraculous thing. I'm like on the floor of this beautiful studio. Right. And I'm just want to watch the actors uh-huh. do it right in front of me and feel the audience right around right around me. And and I just I did that all the way through eight years at that show. Yeah. I just could never get over that. I just um 
and like yeah I, and, and you know how it is like like when <laughs> things like uh you know you do a triumph bit and you've worked really hard on it and like Secunda tells this story that I had forgotten. Like I, Andy Secunda was a Conan writer. Andy mm-hmm. Secunda, great writer, wrote the amazing joke about, it's always quoted to me about uh, which button do you press. To have your mommy pick you up. To, to have your parents pick you up. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, From the Star yeah, Wars. He just came up with it on the spot. Most quoted. Yes. He came up with it on the spot. And, um, and he remembers that I brought him up to watch the sketch with me from the stage because mm-hmm. I just wanted him to experience that, you know? Oh, that's great. He played such a big part in it. Yeah. It's so much more rewarding to just like let go of being above it and just admit how much you love it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, that's great. <laughs> Love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places? Well, working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network like T-Mobile. We have America's largest 5G network, so whether you're on a video call at the park or uploading large files at a coffee shop, we have the 5G speed you need. Whatever takes you on the go, T-Mobile's got you covered. Find out more at T-Mobile.com network today. Coverage not available in some areas. See 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. Legend has it, underneath the NJM insurance offices lies a mysterious room of long-forgotten moldy mascot memorabilia, often pitched by ad agencies, always rejected by NJM. Is it real? We may never know. But what is real is NJM's dedication to doing what's right for their customers. Astoundingly, they're proud to put policyholders first. No jingles or mascots, just great insurance. Learn more at NJM.com. You brought up Clutch Cargo, and we get a lot of questions about Clutch Cargo specifically. That is the thing I miss the most. Is it Clutch Cargo? Really? Yes. Yeah. It's, it's, you know, everything about, like, I'm very happy for the Conan moved to L.A., and, mm-hmm. and he's got such a great life out there, and everything's gone great. <laughs> but I, Everything's going great <laughs> for him. No, it is. No, I, no I've had a fine decade with my, <laughs> I had two more children. It's the best decade of my life, but... It's like if there's one thing I miss that I used to do mm-hmm. that I don't do anymore, that's it. Mm-hmm. It's like I it was such a joy to show up at the studio. Right. Sometimes I'd write some jokes or have an idea for a clutch, but a lot of times, most of the time, the writers came up with these hilarious bits. Right. And all I'd have to do is show up and do a funny caricature impersonation. And it was like this emotional release too for me because I'm like you know I just needed that I needed that I was always a performer on some level before Saturday Night Live and then I became a writer and then the Conan show afforded me this opportunity to like let out all this silliness as a performer just through that bit and and it was a staple I I mean we did one yeah it seems like at least once every two weeks and if a story was really big we do it two or three times a week, you know, yeah, depending on no, the story. Late night, I would say it's not the writer's favorite bit, but like for the audience, I would say over the course of late night, it was probably the most popular recurring bit on the show. Mm-hmm. Oh, the, I, you know, the right, they were fun to write. Yeah, we'd all yeah, bang them fun. out you, together. Well, you loved writing. You love to write for those things. Certain writers love to write. Well, it was a great way to interpret news that, yeah. you know, might otherwise you're, I don't know. It, 
how you're going to address certain news stories. And that was like money in the bank. No. And then like there'd be new presidents and I'd be like, shit, I want to do Obama. (laughs) No, I wanted to do Obama. I wanted to do desperately wanted to do Trump again. Oh, yeah. When That would have gotten me through that term. Right. It would have been so <laughs> right, much, right, yeah. it would have been so much easier. Yeah. yeah. Those, yeah, exactly. To be able to, Ed Conan, I love you. <laughs> I will say, <laughs> gives me early on, chills. there were times you couldn't do voices, you couldn't come in, and we get impressionists to do them. And um, to your great credit, <laughs> I think you were such a key part to the success because you did great impressions, but you also, you'd exaggerate them yeah, in a way that, that worked perfectly for that yeah. kind of cartoony format. I understand. Format. That's, yeah. Well, that's like, that's why Dana Carvey and me were so, so close at SNL because that's how we did impressions and he was just right. better at it. And so he was on the show, right, but I right, loved, right. I loved collaborating with him and, right. and, and like, you know, I would give him musical hooks for certain impressions like John mm. McLaughlin or Regis Philbin. Mm. And like I said, we did the cartoony Lauren back and forth. And right. uh, so, yeah, so I got to be my own Dana Carvey at that show. Right. And it, you know, and the bar, thankfully, is lower because it's like it's such a silly construct already. It's you're taking a photograph mm. and you know, cutting out the hole and playing like a practical joke on the celebrity. Cutting out the mouth. The only yeah. thing we see live is your mouth. Yes. So you're acting yeah. entirely with your mouth, which. Yeah. So it's such a silly construct in the first place right. that it's almost, you almost don't want to do a perfect impression, right. you know, but it was, mm-hmm. but I, I would get close enough so that it was sounded like a, a credible impression and then I would make it just sillier. Yeah. Right. Right. Someone asked, when did you start making those sounds in Arnold's Clutch Cargo, and how did that come about? You mean... (laughs) (laughs) I'm assuming assuming that's what it is. (laughs) Those sounds. I'm pretty sure that was almost from the start. But like everything, it evolves and gets bigger. I mean, if you watch the first first Triumph, he's almost a different character. (laughs) He talks a a lot more. He talks more deliberately like this. Yes. And then I just kind of, I just kind of loosened it up. And with Arnold, same thing. Yeah. Same thing. But, 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 but yeah, Arnold, yeah. The nonsense gibberish and Sweeney was great at writing like hilarious, uh, Austrian German kind of gobbledygook words, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, yeah. We'd all do that. That was banging out. Yeah, that yeah. was all group group work. Or sometimes people would go off. Sometimes a couple of writers would go off and write the Arnold part. Like yeah. different groups of writers would bang those things out and <laughs> bring them back in. Yeah. That, because we knew it, you had to work your way up to jingle, mentioning jingle all the way. Jingle all the way. Yeah. So funny because that finally was released, I think, on Netflix or something this Christmas. Right. Really? And so, yeah. And so on Twitter, I started seeing people quoting the Arnold, yeah. putting on, <laughs> putting clips of Arnold saying, you know, I mean, our Arnold. Right, yeah. right, right. Jingle all the way. <laughs> there was just something about Jingle All the Way that I right. just thought would be the funniest. <laughs> yeah. Funniest one for him to, to quote. Oh, and what was um, Arnold Schwarzenegger's tooth gap made of? Oh, yeah. That was another fan question. It was made out of... Uh, <laughs> what was it made out of? I, uh, it was... Do you remember? I don't know, but... 
Cruz Bustamante's shirt. I tore it apart. He's <laughs> pulling out an old reference. Cruz Bustamante. Didn't he run oh, against? Man. Didn't he run against that guy? There were certain names that were so much fun to say. Oh as yeah. Arnold. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. I I know we've talked about this before, but we were all. The rumor the day he was supposed to announce on The Tonight Show oh, that he was yeah. going to run for governor, we literally, I think, sent Michael, a writer, Michael Coleman, had to go down to the feed to watch The Tonight Show feed to see yeah. if he announced it. Because then we knew we had to write a clutch card. We were right, so excited. <laughs> we couldn't believe this was could drop in our lap like that. I know. That was a miracle. Yeah. That, did, you, did you know, did I ever tell you this, that? Out of the blue, I got a call from my agent that Arnold wants to meet with me. You know, I no. had met him years ago. Yeah. I'd met him years ago when we wrote the uh, Hans and Franz movie, okay. me, Kevin, and Conan. Uh-huh. And Dana wrote it years ago, and we met him and had dinner with him at, at Shotzi's, <laughs> which is the big fancy place he owned back then. And then, uh-huh. but this is like literally like 10, 11 years later. And I guess I'd seen him once at Conan when he guessed it. Yeah. Oh yeah, I talked to him then, and I said, "Hey, remember that Schwartz? That uh, I wrote that Hans and Franz movie with Conan and these other guys. Remember? Uh, yeah, why didn't he ever do it? <laughs> He's like bullshitting me. Right? He's classic. totally bullshitting me because I know that he classic showbiz bailed on it. Right? But anyway, oh, funny. so this is like 2004 now, and I get this call. Arnold wants to meet with you. I have no idea what it was about, and I said. I can't go to LA this week. I don't remember what personal issue I had at home. Mm. Can we do it in a couple of weeks? And they said, sure, we'll move it down. And then literally like five days later, he announced he was running for governor. Mm. And I'll I'll never know <laughs> what the hell he wanted me to meet with oh him. Maybe God. he wanted you to run. Be my lieutenant exactly. governor. <laughs> Double Schwarzeneggers. Yeah, yeah. That would have been. Yeah. That had to be it, Mike. That had to be the reason. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that kind of segues us into another question we got. <laughs> Let's have hear you ever considered running for public office? As Triumph, I have. Yeah. <laughs> I have to admit. I was going to have Black Wolf be my advisor, and mm-hmm. that was actually one of my advisors. Black Wolf's still around. He's still being no, Black No, he's Wolf. not. I don't know. I, I don't, you, I didn't know you didn't know this? He passed away. Oh, no. Wait, what? Yeah, I'm sorry to tell you that. I, I put it on Twitter like in October. I, it happened in July. Oh, I didn't know that. Oh. He was seemed pretty young. He, I know he had a kidney issue. Oh. And I had only heard the very germ of it one day on a phone call. It was such a strange thing because Richard Washington is his real name, and and like uh, you know, I met him on camera, at the Star Wars remote, right? At the Star Wars thing, and then uh, he was hilarious, obviously, and then. I hunted him down to sing a song on my Triumph Come Poop With Me album. Right. Which was amazing. He didn't, uh, but I, when I hunted him down, I realized, okay, I'm calling him and he's going to have my number now. <coughs> and <laughs> sure enough, he abused it, but it became uh, this joyous thing where he would and call me voicemails, literally right? more than most of my friends. I would hear from, <laughs> you know, I'm not the most somewhat reclusive person. Uh, and uh, living in New Jersey and all my friends are in California and Black Wolf would call me like twice a month and we'd have these conversations. And he'd always be in character. Mm-hmm. Greetings, fresh hound. <laughs> <laughs> to the point where I would eventually, you know, sometimes I wouldn't pick up and leave voice messages and let him leave voice messages because they were so 
wonderful. Yeah. Right. Did you talk to him as yourself or were you also? Oh, yeah. No, I was always, I was just like a straight man to him. And the beauty of him, (laughs) the, the hilarious thing about Black Wolf, Richard, was that he would never drop the wizard character. But if you know how he talked in that sketch, he was clearly like a pop culture enthusiast. So he would like leave messages for me about things like, greetings, fresh hound. It is my sad duty to report that Pierre Cosette will no longer be producing the Grammy Award. (laughs) One can only imagine who will fill his enormous shoes. (laughs) Details later. (laughs) Anon! (laughs) Pierre Cosette. He's supposed to be a 4,000-year-old yeah. wizard, right, right. and he's obsessed with Emerald getting revenge on the Food Network. But you know, he also lives in our world, and he's mm-hmm. finding his exactly. way. He was the hippest, most with it, 4,000-year-old yeah. wizard imaginable. Oh. But it was really, really sad, and I didn't tell anybody for a long time. That is sad. I will say, you should look up, anybody who loved Black Wolf should look up. Yeah. There is a clip that he did that has nothing to do with me or the Conan show mm-hmm. that he made that somebody did. There was a guy named Moondog who used to be a weird kind of, he dressed in like a Viking helmet mm-hmm. and he was a musician on the streets of New York when I was a little kid in the 70s. Mm-hmm. And I would see him once in a while and I'd be scared of him and I could imagine adults thought he was a freak. And somebody videotaped Black Wolf talking about him. And he launched into this incredibly touching monologue about the beauty of being an eccentric and having an imagination and embracing it. And it was, (laughs) I posted it years ago on Twitter Uh because it touched me so, so strongly. And, and then when he passed away, I posted it again. But if you go to YouTube and Google Black Wolf Moondog, check it out. If you love Black Wolf at all. Okay. It's really worth listening oh, to. Oh, that's really cool. It's really beautiful. Thanks for letting us know. I was really, really sad when I heard this. Yeah. It was uh, I had become pretty close to him yeah. in yeah. the strangest way imaginable. Now I'd see him all over town, like yeah, no. I'd be at Coney <laughs> Island with my kids, and he'd be like, "I'm." He'd be walking down the boardwalk oh, in a yeah. hundred degree heat, exactly, exactly. dressed in the, in the full regalia. Yeah. The last time I saw him, I used him on my. I did the, I was going to do this podcast, Let's Make a Poop, right. that we ended up not doing because of the pandemic, but it was like a game show, right. and Triumph was the host, and Black Wolf was like George Fenneman. His, uh-huh. Black Wolf was his announcer, uh-huh. and he was hilarious, and <laughs> I would have loved to have made that work for him so that he could have yeah. had a steady paycheck. No, you two are a great team. Go ahead. Hey, Robert, uh, do you remember the first thing Conan did or wrote that made you laugh? You mean it's Saturday Night Live we're talking about? Probably, Yeah, it yes. looks like we're going back. I had high expectations when he came because John Vitti, a writer at SNL before Conan got there, who was uh, also from Havid, had uh, sung his praises, like talked about Conan like he was superhuman mm-hmm. and the funniest guy he'd ever met at Harvard. So when he was hired, I was super excited. Can I, so, can I interrupt? I, how long please. had you been at SNL? I beg you to interrupt. I had been at SNL, I think like two years. Okay. And, and actually I had read a packet of his, mm. him and Greg Daniels were a team and a writing team. And like, it took like a year for Jim Downey to hire them. It was, it was like, 
I don't know if he had a Harvard phobia, sort of like Conan ended up sort of having a little right. bit when he was hiring writers. But uh, in the end, he came. And I don't remember like the first sketch that he actually wrote that that blew me away. So I hope the rest of the answer was entertaining enough <laughs> <laughs> to make up for the fact yeah. that I don't have an answer. They're just yeah. uh, jumping off points. Yes. Well, were you wary wary of this guy then when he showed up, or did you just no. like hit it off right away? I was like, please. I was like the youngest writer there. I was desperate for other young writers. Oh wow, yeah. I mean, I was surrounded by brilliant writers right. like you know George Meyer, Jack Handy, Jim Downey, Al Franken, Tom Davis, Andy Breckman, mm. Christine Zander, the Turners, all these amazing people. But they were all kind of older than me, and a lot of them I was just too mm -hmm. intimidated to pitch ideas to. Even mm -hmm. by my third year, I was still like afraid of like, hey, Al, what do you... Uh. <laughs> <laughs> he would sort of like, sometimes you'd pitch an idea and your voice, yeah. and, and he would start tilting his head like the Chuck Wagon dog from those commercials. Uh. Eh. <laughs> Ah. Al Franken we're talking about, yeah, just yeah. to clarify. Al, Senator Al Franken. <laughs> Senator Al Franken. <laughs> May he rule again. That's interesting. How long do you feel like it took you to get comfortable never. there and feel like you could never? Never, never entirely comfortable that yeah. I could just pitch anything to anybody. Mm -hmm. It was always like, and that's just how the show works. I think people find the, the people who are most like-minded to them mm -hmm. and they sort of work in little pods and then- yeah kind of intersect beyond that you so create had, alliances yeah alliances it's like survivor so, a little bit yeah like i had conan and greg and odin kirk and then there were certain performers that like dana carvey and sandler that i really connected with in different ways yeah. mm -hmm. and so yeah i would sort of go to people like that first and make sure I, I it was also like kind of in your mind you're thinking well if this guy who thinks the way i do thinks it's funny then it probably is funny. Whereas if Al doesn't think it's funny, that could be a generational thing. Right. You know, if you get a chuck wagon head tilt from Al, it doesn't necessarily <laughs> mean <laughs> that, that you're off. It just may mean that he doesn't get why it's funny. Yeah. But then how do you go around that? How do you go around that head tilt? Oh, you well, if Conan thinks it's funny, then you end up writing it with Conan. And right. And then, and then read through is, ah, you know, that's, that's okay. the, that's the ultimate. Right. Yeah. That's the decider. That's okay. the democracy. Yeah. Yeah. If it would kill it, read through, it would get on the show. So then did you get to a point where you're like, okay, I'm just going to put all my eggs in the read through basket and not pitch this to anyone beforehand. I mean, other than no, no, the guys who are my working friends. With. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. And then Jim Downey too, because Jim Downey was sort of the benevolent head writer. Mm -hmm. He He had a wider scope of taste then that's why he was a great head writer so i usually let him know mm. what i was doing but right. there were some times with al where like even at dress rehearsal if something was going to get laughs even if it got laughs all week he'd be like like i remember i wrote this thing with um ross perot driving admiral stockdale in a car after the debate and oh, i remember up, that yeah 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 it ended up being a really famous perot sketch yeah and I remember Al saying before the show, before dress rehearsal, I'm a little worried people are going to think I wrote it. 
Oh, God. <laughs> and then afterwards, he was claiming he wrote it. <laughs> no, no, that he wouldn't do. But he, uh, uh, I don't remember how he reacted. Well, I, it ended up bumping his political sketch from the mm. same show. Oh. But everyone was happy because it killed. Well, actually, Mayor McCheese 86 is wondering. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> what is your, I won't what, forget his name. What's your favorite TV Funhouse cartoon that you worked on? Oh, I don't know. All these questions that don't have anything to do with I the know. coach. Yeah. We'll, we'll get there eventually. Uh, there's like a lot of them. I was, in a way, the first ambiguously gay duo is sort mm-hmm. of like one of my favorite ideas I've mm-hmm. ever had. And then um, I loved um, the new adventures of Mr. T. Uh-huh. It's one of my favorites. It's just sort of like it was all about Mr. T and it was set up exactly like his children's uh animated series that he had in the 80s where he and a bunch of kids would i don't remember if they solved crimes or if they i don't know what they did but they worked together to do something good and anyway but so it was the same exact kind of action premise except the whole goal was just to get mr t work so like there's auditions for a doll's house he sees a doll's house i need work Let's go in there and find out what's going on, kids. And then he goes in and they say, you're not a, you're not right for Tarvald. And then it ends up like Mr. T, there's just a big scuffle and Mr. T ends up playing Tarvald. And all the kids are huddled around him. And then he says, just goes to show if you, if you drink your drugs, eat your milk and get you 10 hours of, well, he would mix up his, don't, his drugs and get you 10 hours of drugs, eat your school. (laughs) Did you start TV Funhouse after the Late Night with Conan show launched? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah right. Mm. So No, I, I left Saturday Night Live to do the Conan show. Right. I was never going to leave unless I had a job to go to. Right. Yeah. And then when I left Conan to write a Da Bears script with Bob Odenkirk. <laughs> oh, a, a movie? A screenplay? Yeah, a movie. Yeah, yeah. Oh, movie wow. Screenplay. Wait, yeah, where yeah, is yeah. that right now? Yeah. Um, we performed in it. Development. It's in my laptop here, I think. <laughs> I'm not even sure. We performed it once uh, on stage. On stage? With, oh, that's um, fun. Yeah, f- yeah, for charity. We got Mike Ditka. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, it was a ridiculous premise that, again, I will not go into okay. here. It is, but, <laughs> uh, and then I failed at the Dana Carvey show, which is well documented on the Hulu <laughs> channel. If you, anybody wants to watch too funny to fail it's a very funny documentary about that show so good yeah and then i that's where ambiguously gay duo happened and right so after that uh disaster over the summer i had ideas for other cartoons the ex-president's cartoon and the whole fun with real audio concept so i just was like well, this will be a good way to dig myself out of show business oblivion Uh uh so I called, uh, oh, no, I was very much, it was, that was like a scarlet letter uh, at that moment, the failure of that show. Like I fucked up really? Dana Carvey's show. It felt that way. It felt like I was being scapegoated. Oh. To a, and, you know, I'm sure I had a lot of to do with the failure of it, but, but, you know, it was mostly just a bad fit for ABC. It was, and, a pr- yeah, uh, it was a, yeah, kind of a late night show right in the middle of the primetime schedule. So, but, you know, we stubbornly thought we could, we were, anyway, we were wrong. Right, well, everyone <laughs> will come around. But I called Lauren Michaels that summer. I called him that summer. And uh, yeah, that, that's beauty. Everything I do 
20 years later, I'm in Brooklyn on a, you know, at the bell house <laughs> yeah, yeah. and everyone is uh, kissing my ass about, Hey boy. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. And then I'm like, could anybody pay for my cab ride home? Because <laughs> <laughs> That's where we draw the line. Yeah. No, I'd rather have money. You called Lauren that summer and <laughs> yeah, I called Lauren that summer. No, because I, I was like, it's, it's a rare in show business where, you know, something's going to work. Right. And I was like, this is going to work. Mm. It's fun with real audio. Mm. These cartoons based on real life people, this is going to work. So I called him and he was the easiest phone call ever. It's just like, yep. come back to the show. <laughs> come on back. <laughs> so Please. come back into the fold. Robert. I was <laughs> curious if you do, do you ever have a Lauren off with other people? Yeah. Oh, a Lauren. Did I ever have a Lauren off? Do you have them, or do you do you have? They're probably Lauren Lauren conventions. They're hosted by Jeffrey Ross on Comedy Central. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome everybody. Who does your favorite Lauren besides you? <laughs> uh, besides me, <laughs> yeah. Uh, besides me, I would say Dana Carvey does an amazing Lauren, mm -hmm. and that's one of the ways we bonded early on. Because we, like Mark McKinney did uh, from the Kids in the Hall, he was a writer the first year I was there, and he did a beautifully accurate Lauren. And then I started doing this much more cartoony Lauren, says uh. the word show way too much. <laughs> I think I'm going to, what I get to choose what's on the show, <laughs> Robert and Dana. And then I... <laughs> Did it for Dana, and then he immediately like, oh yeah, I do Lauren too. And I like, I think uh, we should. Uh, act one is looking a little weak. <laughs> we had that move. A group of Lauren impressionists. <laughs> have you ever just all done it to his face at the same time? Have I ever done it to his face? Yeah. No, but the when I think the hardest I may have ever laughed. Yeah. In all my time at Saturday Night Live was the first time I watched Lauren watch cartoon Lauren. At the end of my SNL cartoon, my first one, uh -huh. because if you'll remember, there was like there was it was called Saturday TV Funhouse, and it was like right. it started with a bumper shot of like a you know one of those artsy bumper shots of the host, and the dog like pulls away the shot, and it's almost like a curtain is torn away, and then underneath is the cartoon. And then the do dog starts getting chased by Lauren, right. little cartoon Lauren going, come back here with my show. <laughs> right. And then at the very end in the credits, they're still having a tug of war over the curtain that mm. the dog pulled away. And, and Lauren, cartoon Lauren is saying, Lego my show, <laughs> Lego my show. <laughs> and the first time I watched Lauren watch himself, I was literally like a 10 year old again who would like drawn a picture of his teacher and you know <laughs> watching his, the teacher look at the picture and just giggling like yeah. a child like i did this to the boss <laughs> i was just and then lauren asks me who was that <laughs> i knew who the dog was but not that weird man the dog who's the little man with the right pretentious voice the affectation the, the, the anglophile who's <laughs> no he was like i don't sound like that uh, he literally said that to me do i sound like that and i was like no it's a cartoon so i did a cartoony it's a cartoony impression of you how about this one? Uh, what's the one funniest moment Robert has had with Conan yeah. outside of the bits? Oh, boy. So wow. Maybe something. Yeah, I, that's a great question. 
so many jesus you know i know that's a tough one i mean it's usually usually me laughing my ass off at something he's saying and doing but i don't know i think of something we used to do at the show at snl when we were writers one strange bit we used to do which was uh you 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 watch the feed before a sketch is being rehearsed the feed of studio 8h we'd be like in the control room and we would see like one camera would be on program monitor a locked camera, and we would watch the set. And it's just a static shot. And sometimes Dave Wilson, the director, who had a New York accent like this and was that kind of guy, mm. and he would walk in front of the camera looking at the set, kind of, you know, waving his hands around, talking to like, I don't know, another cameraman. Sometimes sometimes it was a, a set designer telling him what he needed. And he's just waving his hands around. And we would do this bit where we would just, dub what the conversation was and it was always just <laughs> dave wilson saying shit like you know so what we're we gonna do it's gonna be beamed out through this camera <laughs> and it's gonna appear on a little box and people are gonna be able to watch the box at home and they're gonna be able to see what's he's on this explaining set. television every yeah, night he's explaining <laughs> television to the other guy yeah <laughs> he's just like just do this for like 10 minutes. <laughs> Never get bored with it. Oh, that's so cute. <laughs> well, Robert, thank you so much. And I know our few listeners are going to appreciate this as well. Hey, that was triumph talking. That wasn't me. <laughs> I know what's going I know the real deal. <laughs> and we've already booked you for our 200th episode. Yeah. <laughs> oh, good. This gives good. you plenty of time to come up with some new <laughs> exactly. insults. <laughs> <laughs> thank you robert great to have him back it's great when robert stops by and thanks to triumph as well yes that was they're separate entities so they owe we owe them separate thank yous that was very exciting that was i do feel like that was to be nailed by the dog that was very flattering I mean, he went after me more than you, which also delighted me. There's more to work. With. There's more to work with there. For that yeah, I, I damn just, dog. I'm too slippery. He can't get his exactly. little paws around me. Arr. Yeah, you've escaped his clutches again. No, I threw him. I threw him some. I had bacon in my pocket, so he knew to <laughs> tread lightly with me. Uh huh. And next up, we have our interview with President Tarja Halonen. It's a favorite Conan moment, his visit to Finland during late night. Yes. Um, and we get asked about it a lot. So we thought, who better yeah, and that was, to reminisce? And that was back in 2006. So yeah, we waited 16 years to reconnect with her. <laughs> and wait till you see the puppet she has. Incredible. <laughs> hilarious. And she flambays you, Jesse. Yeah, no, she she dug in. And we should note for this interview that our connection was a little bit wonky. I think they were in the middle of a snowstorm in Finland. I'm assuming it's just right. always a snowstorm there. And you know how snow can kibosh your internet. Yes, it gets in the tubes. <laughs> so here's that conversation. Well, Madam President, we're so happy that you took some time to talk with us today. So we're it's late here. We're in Los Angeles. We're in California. So it's... And you have sun and warm weather. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> right. Okay. We do. We won't, we won't rub it in. It's morning there. You're in Helsinki? Yes. Great. Full of snow and, and just fine, bright morning. That sounds great. 
And uh, well, thanks for agreeing to talk to us. I met you back in 2006. I went to Finland with Conan. A big highlight for us was getting to meet you and visit the presidential palace. But we thought we'd uh, start. We just had a few questions. Jesse and I, we were very curious. When were you first aware of Conan O'Brien? Did you know about him before he started doing comedy about you in Finland on his show in America? I didn't know too much about him. Uh-huh. Of course, I knew that the show, but uh, but let's say that with uh, his interest concerning Finland, so of, of course uh, he became more and more popular all the time. Uh, I was, in the matter of fact, a little bit, and uh, not very even a little bit, but I was surprised when he, he noticed that a small country named Finland that they have a presidential elections, and uh, he had. In that uh, show, uh, you had a uh, very much the similar sense of humor what we had. So um, <laughs> all these uh, exaggerations concerning the size of the fishes and the winter fishing and all that. So we we really loved it. His show was on uh, at the time all over Europe, but for some reason, it's it's just as you said. I think the Finnish sense of humor and Conan's sense of humor were very similar. So he just kept getting more and more fans in in Finland. Like they really kind of clicked together, which was kind of uh, exciting to see. And so then Conan was talking about you and Finland on his show. He found out you were up for re-election and started... (laughs) Started making commercials Trying to help in his own way. <laughs> yeah, help you get reelected. Do you, I, I sort of we were wondering what you thought when you saw those, or if you ever saw them. Yes, yeah, so um, yeah, really, it was a surprise. Some people became a little bit nervous because, um, because uh, <laughs> you are just uh, um, out of the control, and uh, yes, it, even bet. my uh, my uh, previous behavior before I became a president, and I think a little bit perhaps also in that time. So uh, I, if I put it nicely, I was not quite the traditional type of the person who is a president. And, and so perhaps uh, some of the supporters and campaign organizers, they went, uh-uh, let's see what has happened. Because I was very, <laughs> very open, very positive. I said, oh, that's fine. Right. And I like his humor. And so uh, anyway. We, were some of your campaign people like, uh Yeah, this isn't uh, how it's yeah, done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They are always, they are, they are always over, over. Uh, how could I say, reserve. Sure. Uh, when I have, yeah, when I have been, as you know, I have worked for the sexual minorities in early 19, uh, 1970s. Uh, so, of course, uh, nobody could think that such kind of person could come, could become an, an important politician because, um, as they nowadays call me, that I'm a typical activist. Right. You did win re-election. I think yeah. you won... 51% to 48%? Yeah, which is a very, very tight. It is tight. My strongest opponent was our present president, Salinist. Oh, wow. He said all the time that he is a candidate for the working people. What <laughs> <laughs> was a very creative, creative slogan thinking about <laughs> stuff. It was tight, yes. Um, do you think that Conan, Conan's support for you contributed at all to your victory? <laughs> If you ask my opinion, definitely. Yes. Oh. Yes. Oh. Even, but even the opponents thought 
sometimes they said that they they were wondering that how I have uh, organized all that. <laughs> I was right, not right. all organized. Oh, yeah. It, yeah, it was a surprise. <laughs> No, it was fate. They thought you were the mastermind behind the whole bit. I love that. (laughs) After you won your election, Conan decided it was time to visit Finland. And also he had just gotten so much, you know, love from Finland that he thought it'd be great to visit. And uh, one of the highlights of his visit, he went up to Lapland, he went all over Helsinki. But um, one of the highlights for him was you offering an invitation to meet you at the presidential palace. Do you remember what that we were wondering what you were thinking when you met Conan that first time? So, of course, um, I I know that uh, people look different in TV. Right. We are always, uh-huh. uh, how could I say, we have a little bit more weight. So that we are a little bit. Right. We always think that we are a little bit slimmer, but we are. But. Uh, <laughs> But uh, with the Conan, it was a different. Uh, I, I was a little bit surprised that he, he looked a little bit shy, mm. uh, but in an elegant way. And he was tall, very tall, slim. Mm-hmm. In that way, how could I say that he was better than, even better than the team. Oh, well, that's, that is surprising to hear. Yes. I know he was very nervous. He seemed nervous, at least on the clips, to meet you. Did he seem nervous in person? Yes. So um, we think we are not too talkative. Mm-hmm. So uh, perhaps this to be a bit nervous made him even more like a film. <laughs> <laughs> But so that was the right move then to be yeah, a little exactly. more reserved. Yes, okay. I said that yeah. it could be that he was uh, a bit nervous, but uh, he made it in a way. Okay. <laughs> he had never met the president of another country before, so I think no. he was <laughs> afraid of fall, you know falling on his face. So. We don't bite. We don't bite. <laughs> oh, we have a question. A couple of questions from fans who yeah. a lot of Americans still loved Conan's trip to Finland and a lot of Conan fans like to talk about it. And we got some questions. One was, do you, Madam President, do you regret letting Conan into your country? No, definitely <laughs> no. As you have already heard some of the discussions, yes. Simply said, no. When Conan arrived in Helsinki, there were like a few thousand people waiting for him at the airport and he read a greeting in in Finnish. And I think we have the audio for it. Uh, Sean, our producer, is going to play it for you. We'd love to hear what you think of his Conan's speaking in Finnish. Here it is. Hey, Suomen kansa. Ketos etta olen tervetullat. How's his pronunciation? Yeah, not bad. <laughs> I would say uh, this is a British way to say understatement. But, but yeah, yeah, I think that um, he has talents also in languages. <laughs> we have now just uh, advertisements in, uh, all over in, in Helsinki where they say that learn Finnish by singing. Oh. Oh, I love that. Yeah, and so they have noticed that the pronunciation is easier by singing. Yeah. Mm. Singing makes it easier. So perhaps you could propose to Conan that why not try to start a singing program, Conan singing Finnish. Yes. <laughs> yes. That's a great idea. <laughs> well, Conan heard we were going to be talking with you and he wanted to make sure we told you he said hi. And he said he'd really, lo- he's looking forward to one day uh, toasting you with a glass of Korskankova. I would love to have a toast, but uh, but I think uh, okay, um, it's uh, this is a little bit based on gender. Korskenko, what would be not perhaps my first choice. 
<laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, I have a I have a very good homemade apple juice that if he oh. he will, will be in in uh, in Finland, that's fine. Oh, okay. And you can put a little bit cushion on that. Oh, and nobody's leaving. Okay. But uh, let's hope that the COVID nineteen allows the visitors come to USA safely and also to Finland. Yes, of course, we hope so too. Thank you so much, Madam President. We really appreciate your time. We really do. This is a really safe hug now when we do it by the <laughs> A digital hug. Thank you so much. Thank you very much. Yes, thank you. Okay, thank you to President Tarja Halonen of Finland. <laughs> <laughs> I, it's just wild that we've had a president of a country on this podcast. I know. I I think we have to keep going after heads of state from now on. Yes, I agree. Who's next? Maybe someone from South America would be interesting. Oh, yeah. Uh, thank you, President uh, Hallinan, for taking time out from all your post-presidential duties. Yes. It's time to answer a fan <laughs> question. <laughs> Something we do every week. And since this is our 100th show... We thought we'd do something special. Well, let's hear the question first. Hey, Jesse. Hey, Mike. My name is Josh, and I am calling from Saskatoon, Saskatchewan, Canada. I just want to say I love the podcast, and I look forward to it every week. I have a question about a bit that uh, was on Late Night with Conan O'Brien, and it really kind of took on a life of its own, inspired a website, uh, maybe a full live stream as well. That is the hornymanatee.com sketch. Uh, if memory serves me correctly, I think Conan had mentioned something about visiting hornymanatee.com, and he found out after that uh, if somebody in a position of power mentions a website name, NBC required them to actually buy it and kind of make it a thing. So that led to quite a long-running uh, sketch with the, this recurring theme of the horny manatee. And I'm just wondering, is it true that uh, you guys actually had to buy the domain and it kind of, you know, morphed into what I think to be uh, one of Conan's funniest bits. I'd be interested to hear a little bit more. Thanks again, guys. Take care. Thanks, Josh. Thank you, Josh. Wow. That's a great question. That's a very specific question. I know. And we have not addressed that before. Certainly not. <laughs> I, I know. I, we've been waiting. It's never come up. But yeah, so we do have to buy the domains if we mention a website on the show in any capacity. Right. If it's in a comedy sketch, we have to make sure that that website doesn't already exist. Right. And then purchase it. If it doesn't. And the reason for that is, let's say someone else buys the site and puts stuff up there that could be offensive, et cetera, then we'd be liable for any negative. Yeah, and we wouldn't get any of the profits either. Yeah, exactly. Right. Of course. I never thought Which of that. Which would be unfair. Oh, yeah. But it occurred to us while we were thinking about this question that there, the person who managed the websites and finding, making sure that the URLs were available on our show was actually Jordan Schlansky. Is that right, Jordan? That is right. That's correct. You're here with us. Yeah. Hi, Jordan. I'm here. Yeah. So we thought we would go to the horse's mouth <laughs> to get an answer on this. Please welcome Mr. Jordan Schlansky. Hello, Jordan. Hi. Thank you guys for having me. You've just sent us a photo. Oh, oh. this is a photo of you with the horny manatee. Yeah. As Josh mentioned, uh, 
we had mentioned the URL horny manatee in a uh, comedy sketch, and this was December of 2006. Oh, wow. Look at those sideburns. Uh, that picture is me and Dan Gore, of course, former writer on Late Night with Conan O'Brien, right. who's gone on to do fantastic things. Yes. Have you had him on the show? Yes, we've had okay. Dan on the show in season one, I believe. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Checking up on us. So in order to say the website on the air, as Mike mentioned, the network had a policy that we purchase it to ensure that there would be no questionable content. And we had done that a few times before with other websites. And then one of the writers, uh, which I believe was Dan, had the great idea that, hey, listen, if we own this site anyway, let's make a comedy bit out of it. And uh, we made it into a functioning website. We would do photo shoots and feature kind of erotic manatee themed artwork on the website. Mm -hmm. And the picture I just sent is a behind the scenes photo of Dan and myself um, positioning the manatee for one of the aforementioned erotic-themed photo shoots. Mm -hmm. What position do you think that was going to be? <laughs> it's just sort of spread eagle right now. Based on the limitations of the articulation of the particular costume, I don't know that there was that much <laughs> we could do with it. Uh -huh. Unfortunately, I, I actually looked up the website. It, you know, for a while, we had it functional. And then later on, NBC just had it direct to their own homepage. And now the website goes nowhere, but I looked and not only does NBC still own it, but they renewed it uh, as recently as last year. Oh, interesting. Wow. It mm. may be their general policy to never let the URLs expire, or maybe there's some future. Maybe they hope we're going to come back. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, that's where a third of their income comes from right yeah. now. <laughs> yes, it was originally a comedy bit. I, I, I couldn't quite remember the details, but there's a big article about it in the New York Times at the time. We used to do bad NCAA mascots, and one of them was, that Dan came up with, it was supposed to be a manatee on a webcam, and <laughs> he was cry trying to do a lascivious dance, and Mark Pender, our band trumpeter, we cut to him watching this on his laptop, and then Conan just did an ad lib saying, oh, check it out at hornymanatee.com. And then because he ad-libbed that after the show, Jordan, I, do you remember this? I'm imagining that's when you would have kicked into action. Yeah, that one was surprisingly available. Uh, <laughs> in this day and age, there are very few combinations of words that haven't been purchased yet. But back in right. Sweet Innocent 2006, yeah. there was a lot more availability and no one had thought to uh, purchase Horny Manatee. And th that's right. Dan had a great idea to like, let's... Make it a real site. Right. And yeah. And then do comedy about it. And we invited fans, as you said, to start sending in their own horny manatee fan art. So it was, <laughs> it was one of the early interactive. Which is also a dangerous thing to do now, probably. <laughs> Website bits, yes. Well, one of the interesting um, feel-good stories related to this situation was that uh, yeah. we were, I believe, selling shirts. I've also sent you a photo of one of the logos that we had on a shirt. Okay. And all of the proceeds that we made went to um, a legitimate manatee foundation because they were oh, and maybe still are. inseminating manatees. Uh, yes, a threatened species. And uh, we sent yeah. it, uh, I forgot the name of the foundation. It was based in Florida. And we were in regular contact with them, making sure they got the proper proceeds. And they loved what we were doing. And uh, I mean, if they loved it, to me, that's a blessing that the manatee community in general was on board. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if they loved the content as much as the check that was getting sent to them. But I remember Conan quickly, soon after his like i don't like that bit i think he hated the costume because oh. it was so <laughs> it's it so was bad. just the, it, do, it doesn't even really look like a manatee it looks like it was adapted from something else like a, they took a yeah the trunk off an elephant or something yes <laughs> 
I've seen few, so few actual manatees in my life that my the image I have in my head of a manatee is that costume. Oh, that's terrible. Yeah. That's upsetting. <laughs> they all have that big seam around their neck. Can I ask a question? What Jordan, what would have happened if Conan had said that website and then it, you found out that it belonged to somebody else? Well, what often happens is, if that's the case, the standards department screens all of our shows. And after the show, if they hear a website like that, they'll check in with me and ask uh, if we knew it was going to happen. And if so, if we have purchased the URL, ideally, we would tell them yes. In cases where we haven't, um, they usually ask us to censor either the entire name of the website or maybe just the .com or .biz part of it, um, just to leave some ambiguity there so they have plausible deniability that they didn't actually endorse a particular website that could be problematic. There was a lot of times, um, if a website's unavailable, it doesn't necessarily contain questionable content. But the threat is that in the future, when a show repeats, we can't control what would be on the website then. The only sure way is to own it. There was one example. Normally, we kind of roll their eyes when we get these notes. Um, if something is ad-libbed in the show and we have to censor something, we're never happy about it. Yeah, because it almost makes it sound worse it when makes you it sound worse censor it. We don't want the perception that we're a show that falls under high, high amounts of censorship. Back on the TBS show in 2014, we had the cast of Orange is the New Black on, mm-hmm. and uh, Laverne Cox was one of the cast members on the show. And she had mentioned um, her br- twin brother and that he had a website. He was a musician, she said, and she wanted to promote his website. And, and we didn't know about it in advance. And um, normally, if a celebrity asks to plug one of their websites, there's a lot more leniency involved than if it's just an unknown website. You know, we want to make sure that we, you know, treat the talent well. And usually they're harmless sites. Normally, I'll check out a website in advance. In that case, it was ad libs. I did not have the opportunity. So after the uh, taping, I immediately got an email from the standards department saying that we needed to censor the website. And again, in the interest of talent relations, she was only promoting her brother's musical website. I kind of went back to them and pushed back a little bit and said that we'd like to keep it. uh, You know, let's uh, cut some slack. And I got an email back, uh, which I've located, and I'd (laughs) like to read it to you. Sure. After I said that we'd like to keep this URL, the mention on air of uh, Laverne Cox's brother's website, I was told there is a pornographic image on the front page of the site of three men being anally penetrated by objects. <laughs> Those are musical instruments. And that was from Standards and Practices. This is from Standards and Practices. Immediately, uh, to verify the accuracy of the email, I went to the website. And in fact, well, of course, that was certainly the case. (laughs) I can't say I disagree with the logic of this policy as much as we disliked it at times. It's interesting because, I mean, all of this, honestly, I, I feel a little bit bad because we've sort of dispelled here the myth that you don't do anything for the show. I'm, I'm sort of, I'm upset to know that you occasionally did things. You would have preferred it if I did not do things. I would, yes. Right. That's part of your mythology. Do you feel some level of sorrow that my image was unnecessarily tarnished by the, the, the myth that I didn't do anything? I still don't know if we've shown you have actual duties. All I've heard is you were looking at three men being anally penetrated. <laughs> I don't know if that's work. If so, and you were holding up that's a good point. the flap of a costume. How many hours per year would you say you spent researching pornographic websites for work? Well, if I were to aggregate all of the requests and the time that I spent looking at them, then the percentage of those that were pornographic, (laughs) I'd say uh, under 10 minutes per per annum. At least that's what we say in Latin. Yeah, Yeah, what a great use of Latin. (laughs) 
Do you remember any other particular titles you had to fork out money for? I mean, frankly, I was a little disappointed that we didn't Uh do more comedy sketches based on websites that we actually own because there were quite a few. Right. Um, I was just looking through some old emails, which is not necessarily comprehensive, but uh, Mm -hmm. theoretically, we should still own these. So they're completely fine. Yeah, let's get them some traffic right now. There's uh, Jose Arroyo, citywank.com. That goes back to 2000. (laughs) 14. And just to be clear, Jose. (laughs) Is is Jose Arroyo part of the URL? (laughs) That's a bit he wrote. Oh, yes. Okay. Yes. That was just a graphic and something he Uh put on the show. (laughs) Then there was uh, Dan Cronin, newdudes.org. Obviously, the dot com must have not been available in that scenario, which doesn't surprise me. That was available. I can't believe new dudes. Yeah. Wait, does it have to be a nonprofit to be a dot org? Oh, right. I'm not. I'm not well versed in that in that area. (laughs) I I wouldn't know. A five hundred one c three. Well, clearly not. Uh, We. (laughs) I'm sure we were considered a profitable operation. (laughs) New dudes dot org with a z. But I think you guys have the whole list. I don't have everything in front of me. Yeah, we do actually. We got the list yeah. from our producer, Sean, who also gave us the fun little tidbit that he had to pay for all these. And so he still gets the renewal emails to renew these websites. How often do you have to renew these, Sean? And how much money are we talking about? I would say Lisa Berman, and I get these at, I mean, every month we get various <gasps> ones. It's month to wow. month. You can't even get pay for two years oh my god you pay for a year but there's so many of these urls that are bought all across the year that you're just getting trucknuts.net has been renewed for another two years we own trucknuts.net with a z yes oh my god and we're not doing nearly enough with it i i agree with jordan i feel like there's we're leaving money on the table here you're actually paying money and nothing's coming in we also own buttclamp.com wow we own diarrhea-casserole.com, which tells me that (laughs) diarrhea casserole with no dash was already taken. (laughs) (laughs) They had to add the dash. This one's pretty great. Don't worry, it's not human trafficking.com. I don't know what goes on there, but... I have to ask, Sean, how... Did the were these all mentioned on Team Coco podcasts? No, I think these are all from... The TBS show. These are from the show. They're all back. Okay. I remember some of these. Findjasonbiggs.com. <laughs> I like that one. You can find Jason eating a diarrhea casserole. <laughs> Lunchwithoutjoebiden.com. <laughs> what else do we have here? Singleswithshingles.com. I oh. think that might have been from something I did. Really? Yeah. I did a lot of dating site material. Now that's definitely a moneymaker. I agree. So many seniors get shingles or herpes zoster, as it's properly called. <laughs> I can't believe we have this. You can't prove that's my penis.com. That's shocking. Mm. We could at least make money selling them to someone who would use them. Yeah. How long do you think we'll have to own these for, Jordan? Well, theoretically, the commitment required by the network was 10 years, which is what our initial purchase is. But theoretically... So not would, in perpetuity. Well, we, theoretically, we want to own them in perpetuity. And, it, you know, relative to other production costs, the cost of a URL renewal is so minimal that I would assume that's the way we'll go. <laughs> <laughs> and you said that NBC still owns the Horny Manatee side. Still owns and recently renewed. Wow. Online, I just read that they shut it down literally two days after Conan stopped The Tonight Show and left NBC. 
I don't know the answer to that, but it had been redirecting to their homepage for a while. So frankly, I don't know why it's ah. completely non-functional now. Right, right, right. They may notice a little more traffic after this podcast airs. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I do remember you also were tasked with having to make sure phone numbers weren't real phone numbers. Yeah. I mean, you know, the risk of that, there's an added element in that case that if uh, the phone number belongs to a private individual and suddenly they're overwhelmed with phone calls, uh, you know, there are a lot of litigious people in the world and then suddenly legal action becomes a possibility. So that 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 was a very long-standing policy at uh, all, you know, both of the networks that we worked for. I think before you came to work on Late Night, we did a bit where we put one of the writer's office numbers on a, a bit but didn't refer like it was in the background and we just it was an experiment to see if anyone if would anyone call. would call and i think we some of us stayed till 12 35 till quarter to one in the morning to see if the phone would ring and it started ringing off the hook it did oh, yes that's great oh that's like a moment in a movie where it's like is are they gonna call i know i know i was there during a period i don't remember the specifics but that we deliberately mentioned a writer's actual phone number uh -huh. in order to receive some we had solicited something from fans or viewers and uh the writer logged the responses and we used it and i feel like it was kind of later in late night's run so i wouldn't be surprised if you remembered it i think it was where's grady that would have been greg cohen yes i think we put up a number we did a thing about we just said grady the character from sanford and son we treated him like he was a real person and said he hasn't been seen in years since the show went off the air help us find him and i, I yeah i think we put up a, a tip hotline and got and it went to tons a, and tons of calls. A writer's real phone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it was it was good to catch up with you. Yeah. Likewise. And thank you for helping us with our fan question. Thank you. And that's our show. That's our hundredth episode. I think we look really good for a hundred. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> We're still ambulatory. <laughs> yes, thanks to Robert Jordan and President Hallinan for joining us. Yes, what a what a fun party this was. Mm -hmm. And hey, if you enjoyed it, if you like our show, you can support us. Please do by rating Inside Conan, an important Hollywood podcast on iTunes and leaving us a review. And if you've listened to 100 episodes and you haven't done that yet, what are you waiting for? Yeah, please. Time is of the essence. 102? Uh, submit your listener question at 323-209-5303. That's right. That's called a phone number. <laughs> and you can leave a voicemail. Or you can email a question to insideconanpod at gmail.com. We had Robert Smigel, Jordan Schlansky, and the president of Finland on the same podcast. I guess that makes sense somehow. It does. It feels like the, the proper fanfare. <laughs> it does. <laughs> <laughs> For our 200th episode, I think we should get uh, rebook all three of them, but have them in the same room together. I would oh, love to yes. see that. I would love to see that energy. <laughs> <laughs> I think that would be great. Yeah, we, we might need to have some alcohol present. Right. And it's an excuse to, we can all go to Finland. That's right. I'm assuming we would have to, or we might have to go to Jordan's house. I'm not sure. <laughs> That's our that's our backup situation when Taria quickly says no. Well, hey, I was thinking yeah. it might be kind of special. Mm. Do you want to do you want to do the honors of driving things home? Oh, the la oh, oh, I'm I'm Do you remember what it is? Oh. Uh, well, but then it changed. Right. 
Okay, it's three words. Uh, Just three simple words, Sweeney. We love you. Inside Conan, an important Hollywood podcast, is hosted by Mike Sweeney and me, Jesse Gaskell. Produced by Sean Doherty. Our production coordinator is Lisa Byrne. Executive produced by Joanna Solotaroff, Adam Sachs, and Jeff Ross at Team Coco. Engineered and mixed by Will Beckton. Our talent bookers are Gina Batista and Paula Davis. Thanks to Jimmy Vivino for our theme music and interstitials. You can rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts. And of course, please subscribe and tell a friend to listen to Inside Conan on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, or whatever platform you like best. It's the Conan Show. Put on your hat. It's the Conan Show. Try on some spats. You're going to have a laugh. Give birth to a calf. It's Conan. This has been a Team Coco production. Love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places? Well, working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network like T-Mobile. We have America's largest 5G network, so whether you're on a video call at the park or uploading large files at a coffee shop, we have the 5G speed you need. Whatever takes you on the go, T-Mobile's got you covered. Find out more at T-Mobile.com slash network today. Coverage not available in some areas. See 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com.